joined by V-Money Sports Vaughn Dalzell. Today we're going to talk about, briefly, Cowboys-Titans, and we're going to welcome in PFF's Ben Brown to, to break down the biggest games on the Week 17 slate. But Vaughn, first off, how are you, and how did you enjoy the Josh Dobbs experience? Oh my God, it was uh, much better than the Steelers' Josh Dobbs experience. So uh, it's good to say he looked a little better over time, but yeah, not very good. That game was a snoozer. I mean, if you were watching Florida State, uh, rather than watching Thursday Night Football, you're not really a football fan, in my opinion, Jay. Uh, maybe you are a true football fan if you stay up to watch Cowboys and Titans over Florida State. But, yeah, great day yesterday. I think uh, there's great college football today. And then, you know, NFL Sunday is going to be electric with all the playoff matchups. How was your day? I was good. I did have to stay up to watch Titans Cowboys. Uh, I'm going to talk about that game uh, on a few different platforms today. So I did stay up and watch it uh, mercilessly. I would say my two big takeaways from the game are one, yeah, Josh Dobbs was better than Malik Willis, but he was still really bad. Uh, and the Titans offense couldn't do anything. They were extremely inefficient. You look at their drop back EPA, uh, play all of that kind of stuff. It was pretty grim. Uh, and I do think that, yes, there was at least uh, a little bit more competence in passing the ball and he looked better than Malik Willis. But at the same time, this Cowboys defense has not been good the past few weeks. And, and still, yeah. there wasn't much there on the Josh Dobbs front. And then the other thing is that this Titans run defense, like you take half the, de- half the defensive starters out, you take Jeffrey Simmons out, and they're still amazing. It's unbelievable. Yeah. One of the great, the great units in football, the Titans' run defense, which look, I don't think is gonna is gonna be the decisive factor uh, against the Jags, who are throwing the ball much better um, than they have been. But yeah, it is very impressive what Mike Vrabel has built um, in Tennessee. Uh, any takeaways around the Cowboys, who looked again pretty uninspiring? Well, I think the rushing defense for Tennessee looked a lot better since Tony Pollard wasn't out there for Dallas. If he was out there, this game probably looks a little bit different, at least a little bit better for Dak Prescott with his two interceptions. I mean, he's been turning the ball over a ton, man. I think it's nine of 11 or 12 games now this season. Uh, so I'm not in love with the Cowboys of doing. I think that they're going to be a fade first round of playoffs. I can't wait to get my hands all over them uh, unless they're playing. I mean, even if they're playing Tom Brady and the Bucks. Uh, you know, I might have to take a look at fading the Cowboys in this spot, Jay. I just don't have much confidence in how the defense has been playing lately and Dak Prescott keeping the ball clean. Zeke's a goal line type of guy. Tony Pollard and CeeDee Lamb. Those are Michael Gallup, too. I'll throw him in there. Those are your guys. Um, I don't think Dallin Schultz is going to be making an impact gather with his two touchdowns last night. So, yeah, Cowboys, we got to fade them any way we can. Yeah, the Cowboys right now plus 475 to win the NFC. I wouldn't get involved with that price. You're better right. off just – you do believe in the Cowboys if you just multiply what their money line prices will be. If we assume that the Eagles will get the one seed and, and win the NFC, so yeah, not interested there. I do think with I do believe in the Cowboys' offense. I think Dak last night like fumbled snap that was weird, and then the ball comes off the receiver's chest again, a weird interception. Uh, and if you think about the other way, like Josh Dobbs threw a pick six to Trayvon Diggs, the Diggs just dropped. And then also threw it into the end zone to trail on Burks between about 15 different Cowboys <laughs> defensive players. I don't know what that was either. So it was a very strange game. But um, looking forward, yeah, looking forward to Dobbs v. Lawrence, um, the blockbuster that we all expected before the season to decide the magnificent AFC South. 
All right, before we bring in Ben Brown, a reminder uh, to download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster, get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. All right, let's welcome in Ben from PFF. Ben, how are you? And uh, I'll ask you the same question I asked Vaughn. How do you enjoy the Josh Dobbs experience? Does that change anything about your AFC South handicap for next week? Uh, no, I'm still, you know, I, I'm I'm very invested in the Jaguars to make the playoffs. I do have a little bit on them to win the AFC South, but yeah, this is, you know, very much a spot where I need the Jaguars pretty bad. So overall, it was, you know, uh, you know, a pleasant viewing experience for me from that perspective because the Titans obviously didn't really showcase a whole lot of ability, I would say, to knock off the Jaguars. So uh, sitting, you know, I would say sitting pretty good with um, that perspective, but I'm with Vaughn. I was uh, you know, very intrigued in both of the bowl games that were happening at the same time as well. So thankfully there was, you know, multiple viewing options for Thursday night football. Uh, thankfully, because that's, you know, basically the first time we've had that all season. It was very much needed, I would say, uh, based on how both teams performed last night. Yeah, that's fair. I uh, I won't lie. I was for a stretch of Thursday night football. I was watching Grizzlies Raptors. So um, it's, uh, it was, it wasn't too much to see there. All right, let's jump into week 17. Let's start off with the Bears at the Lions. The Lions are six-point favorites back in the Dome, uh, much to Jared Goff's delight. The total is 52. And Ben, you think that the Bears might be a little underrated here? Yeah, I think that, you know, obviously the concern is the Bears are probably a lesser version of what they were seven weeks ago when these two teams faced off, going to be missing Jalen Johnson, who... You know, from PFS perspective is very much their best coverage cornerback. They can't generate, you know, any pressure whatsoever consistently from their front seven. But uh, like this one's, it's going to be weird, right? It was weird in week 10. Uh, the Lions still very much, I would say, poor from a run defense perspective. They ranked 24th in PFF, you know, grade as a unit. Uh, Justin Fields ran all over them that week 10 matchup, 147 yards, 112 after contact, six first downs from rushing, two rushing touchdowns, like, I think, you know, with him kind of back in the fold, it's going to be uh, more of the same. So I do expect probably the Lions uh, to win at the end, but I think it's going to be chaotic. It's going to be stressful. Uh, I think they're going to have a really difficult time covering the six-point spread. So I'm leaning in the Bears' direction. I actually probably prefer, you know, their first half spread at plus three and a half a little bit more than I like the full game number. So that's the one spot that I probably locked into this matchup. But uh, I think it's going to be definitely tighter than what the betting market projects right now. I'm 100% with you, Ben. When I looked at this, this seemed like a total trap line for everybody that loves Detroit Lions, including myself, because I've been riding the Lions quite often the past eight, nine weeks. Um, and this is a spot where the Bears have historically done well against the Lions. I mean, they've won seven out of the last nine matchups. They've won the last four at Detroit. And now you got Fields, who's been playing his best football this season of his career. And lately, you know, the last two months particularly, I look at this spot and I, I want to back the Bears and I'm with you in the first half. The full game might get a little fluky. The Lions have a lot of playmakers. They do well when Amara Ross St. Brown, Swift are in the game. They're an ATS machine. But I think the first half Bears line is uh, is possibly the best play here. Jay, you, you like that play too? Uh, yeah, my concern would be that just I don't see how the Bears stop Detroit from getting to 30 where this defense, which like think about what the defense did against Buffalo where basically like – Freezing cold conditions. Allen throws two picks, does not play well at all. And the Bears still give up 35 um, to the Bills. And now I think of Goff, who was fine last week against a pretty solid Carolina 
solid defense. And now he goes into the dome against the Bears' pass defense. It's already really bad, and now is missing uh, lots of bodies in the secondary. So, yeah, I think the Bears will be able to score, certainly, on Detroit. Um, but I think they might need to get to 27 to, to cover, which is totally, totally in play. Uh, and there is a reason why this is the highest total uh, on the board, sitting 52 exactly. at the moment. All right, let's go to the blockbuster, Colts-Giants. Giants minus six. The total is a robust 38 and a half uh, in New Jersey. Uh, ben, what's your read on this game? Oh, man, this one this one is ugly. Two teams that I have, you know, for the most part been fading, I would say, especially in the second half of the season. I've been on the opposite side of the Colts since Jeff Saturday took over, and it's, you know, worked out outside of that Raiders game. So I, I think kind of leaning in that direction, you know, is still very much the handicap for this matchup. Giants, you know, can suffer a loss and still get into the playoffs, but uh, PFF simulation has them with a 78% chance of getting into the playoffs with a loss here. So very much motivated. Uh, we've seen Brian DeVol kind of be able to script some successful, you know, EPA plays up early. Uh, I think he's still a little bit underrated from a coaching perspective. I know he's probably not, you know, coach of the year material, but probably at least, you know, in some ways, uh, you know, has landed as like a top five offensive play caller in football. And and what the Colts put forth, you know, especially in that mindset with Parker Frazier and Jeff Saturday trying to scheme up an offensive game plan, that's going to be a certifiable disaster. It has been so far this season from an EPA perspective. They are dead last uh, on scripted pass plays uh, so far this season. And that's been, you know, a dramatic drop off even going from Frank Reich to Jeff Saturday. So I'm going with another first half bet in this one. Uh, I'm seeing, you know, some numbers with the Giants closer to minus five and a half. When you look at that, you can get uh, Giants at minus three. Um, so even paying just a little bit of juice to stick down that minus three number. I think the Giants first half uh, is probably my favorite bet right now on this play on this game. I'm going first half two picks in a row. I can't disagree with that either, though. But I'll say this just from a motivational aspect at this time of the year, the Giants are the obvious team that you want to play on here. Um, I don't see what the point of the Colts ending the season on a high high point is. At this point, you know, chase the best draft pick possible. And I mean, that's the that's the easy cap in this game. But that might be, you know, anything other than that might be thinking too much into this, in my opinion. Uh, so, yeah, the Giants will be in my money line parlays for sure. I think that they get this one done as they fight for their playoff hopes. I feel like we're going to have a difference on this game, Ben. You know, we're, we're playing nice here. I'm playing nice with you and agreeing with you. But this game is uh, definitely going to be a tight one. The Vikings and the Packers go. It's Lambeau Field. Packers length three and a half. For the last two, three weeks now, on this show particularly, uh, Drew has been beating the drum on the Packers. I've been backing him up on this. Jay, I hope you're riding the train because we went from plus 800 to plus 200 to make the playoffs now. Big go, Pack go, guys. Are you on the Vikings or the Packers? So I have been, I've been riding, uh, you know, the Vikings for the most part. It hasn't been, uh, I would say, all that great from a spread perspective. ATS, basically, especially, you know, in the Colts Colts game a couple weeks ago and with Giants last week. But the, the obviously the underlying metrics say that this Vikings are a very mid-tier team, right? Even if they are mid-tier in a number of spots. But, you know, from PFF's perspective, they've graded out quite well. They have had a lot of high-variance type plays, but... Uh, I think when they are fully healthy, they do have players at key positions uh, that can potentially allow them to beat other teams. So I know everyone's kind of watching this Jair Alexander versus Justin Jefferson matchup. I expect them to kind of face off against each other once in a while. But, uh, you know, that that's a spot where Jefferson won in week one. I very much 
don't think there's any cornerback in football that can cover Justin Jefferson. So I do expect him to get his, but I don't expect Alexander to, sh- to kind of shadow him. Where I, where this where where I think this handicap goes, and where I think the game's probably going to be decided is you know that match with Zadarius Smith, who's you know third from you know a total pressures perspective generated uh, so far this season from PFF grading. Uh, him going up against David Bakhtiari, who does look like he's going to be back, you know, and fully healthy. If the Packers win that matchup, uh, the Vikings secondary is going to be absolutely exposed. It's been exposed a number of times this season. They are going to, you know, have Harrison Smith in the fold once again. That that was kind of, I think, the key injury that, you know, saw them drop to, I would say, one of the worst units in football from a coverage perspective. If he's back in the fold, if Smith is kind of generating some of these quick pressure type situations, which which, which the Vikings have been pretty good at, uh, I think they're fifth in, you know, pressures generated in under three seconds when not blitzing. So, from that perspective, you know, if Bakhtiari is struggling a little bit, the handicap for me is the Vikings can come back and potentially win this game at plus three and a half. So if it gets down to three, uh, you know, I, I very much think it's probably Packers or bust, but sitting out here at plus three and a half, even with some juice, uh, I just think the Vikings probably have more talent on their roster than what people are giving them credit for. Uh, probably, I would say, you know, uh, you know, especially from like, you know, PFS perspective, we have them as kind of like a top five type roster and generating wins above uh, replacement. So they have the pieces in place. It's obviously been fluky so far, but you know, flukiness can run uh, its course throughout the entire season and may not regress in any given week, I would say. Yeah. I think that it's very strange that the Vikings just aren't better um, given the talent on mm-hmm. their roster to your point, Ben. And it's, it's weird to say that about a team that's what 12 and three, uh, the why, why isn't the 12 and three team better, but I don't understand why their underlying performance isn't better. They do have talented guys on that defense between Darius Smith, Daniel Hunter, getting a really good season out of Patrick Peterson, Harrison Smith. Like there are guys there. They should be better on pass defense than they are, which makes me think that it is might be a scheme or, or coaching thing. But I do think that, yeah, at three and a half, I would lean Vikings. Sorry, Vaughn. Uh, I just, <laughs> with the um, with the practice reports as well, it looks like, like Christian Watson hasn't practiced the past right. two days after exiting mm-hmm. at halftime with the hip injury. That's significant. Looks like Bakhtiari will play to your point, Ben. Um, but on the other side, Garrett Bradbury might be out. He hasn't practiced the past two days. Looks like James Lynch is going to be out as well. So definitely one to watch for. If Bradbury's out and Watson is in, then I think that would be a pretty material uh, right. shift. You're not nervous that the Minnesota Vikings, all three of their losses this year, came as underdogs? That's they're, and they're only And they won one as an underdog against the Bills, which was the luckiest probably play of the NFL season besides right. the Patriots-Raiders fiasco a few weeks ago. But I, I just – I don't want to fade Aaron Rodgers at this point in the season. They, they have their backs against the wall. They're looking better. They're streaking right now. Rushing game is better. Defense slightly. They haven't played the opponents that you might say, oh, I'm impressed. Uh, but, again, I just like the Packers here. I'm going to keep riding the hot team uh, heading to the playoffs and fade the Vikings anytime they're the underdogs. It's just it's been profitable, so I'm going to keep doing it. Right. Well, I'm going to keep riding the Cincinnati Bengals, who are plus one and a half. <laughs> Point guard to the Buffalo Bills. The total there is 49 and a half, one of the highest on the board on Monday Night Football. What's your lane on this game, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I, I might be missing something, but I think this is an absolute smash spot on the over, right? Obviously, there has been a few injury situations, I think specifically with Lyle Collins. Um, but other, other than him, like it's been all defense from an injury perspective. And I still think, you know, no Von Miller in the fold. I think the Bills have basically dropped from like a league average pressure rate generated unit to uh, like 22nd overall. So probably a bottom third, bottom fourth team 
from that perspective, I don't buy into their secondary a whole lot. I think the Micah Hyde injury has been in a lot of ways, uh, probably understated to how valuable he actually was to this defense and Javius white has been back and in the fold, but very much, I would say has kind of been the guy that's been picked on you both in, in both, like the, in both the matchups that they have faced off against high volume passing attacks and the jets and bills. So I don't think he's fully back to form as well either. So, uh, I expect the Bengals to be able to break off some chunk plays. Obviously, they need to do something with like the you know Lyle Collins lost. Uh, you know, scheming some 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 double teams with you know that situation because Akeem Jenny, I think like uh, allowed like seven or more pressures last week in forty five pass block snaps. So that is a situation that the Bengals are very much going to have to provide some sort of counter punch to. But We've seen them kind of be able to, you know, navigate a, you know, a suspect offensive line. Joe Burrow's obviously been much better from a sack perspective in the second half of this season. So I don't think that's going to be as influential to this one. So uh, I expect a lot of points to be scored. I don't really see any way either defense, you know, has a ton of success slowing down these teams, especially if we are seeing some chunk plays. So over 49 and a half, uh, I definitely think it's a spot where, you know, it comes down to the last possession. So probably trading some in-game uh, numbers if I can get any either side of either team basically at like plus three and a half that's definitely going to be mm-hmm. a spot I lock into because uh, I very much think this is going to be a game that comes down to the last possession yeah I, th- I thought the Bengals would be a fantastic teaser option here getting them at you know seven and a half number against the Bills they just been streaking all season long I really want to ask you in particular though because I like the over I feel like the 49 and a half may be a little low I expected a 51 and a half uh, for this game 100 percent but the Bills are graded as a 17th best PFF offense uh can you just touch on how that's possible and why people like people are going to be confused by that but I mean you watch them all year I'm not like not totally shocked I would have thought around the 10 to 12 range but you got them at 17 What's yeah that so about? is that is that overall offensive grade on zero yeah. to 100 skills that what it is yeah I mean yeah. so we do have them and in some ways it's probably uh, a reflection of where they are at on both offensive line but we haven't actually I would say been overly impressed with, you know, some of the receiving unit as well. Like Stefan Diggs, I think is like fourth or fifth in, 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 in PFF, like uh, wide receiver ranking, but outside of him, like it's been kind of poor. So we do have, you know, to go back to it, we do have some different grading type approaches based on our play-by-play data um, that we use behind the scenes. So if you look at something like PFF green line tool, we do have the bills, uh, as the third best offense, kind of using this opponent adjusted type basis for how well they've performed on a per play basis. And I do think, you know, that's that's kind of the the metric that we do fold into a lot of our betting models and stuff. So although it says 17 on, you know, like the consumer site and stuff, doing some more, I would say, tweaks to how they actually arrived at that and not necessarily just aggregating the the, the overall score against teams that they, you know, maybe should have beat up against a lot more maybe had a really difficult time because they were a really difficult matchup you know that's probably kind of how we arrived at that but I think like you said I think they're much closer to you know a top 10 even a top five offense and a lot of the other ways that we kind of uh distill the grading uh they definitely arrive in that range I would say so Ben from Josh Allen uh Joe Burrow we go now to Kenny Pickett Tyler Huntley um the only natural segue uh blockbuster game uh on Sunday Night Football on NBC uh the line is Ravens minus two and a half the look ahead was more in the six range when it looked like there might be a chance of Lamar Jackson and still technically there is a chance but certainly wouldn't expect him to play with the Ravens having clinched a playoff spot the total here is 35 and a half is that total too low is this line 
uh, to Rich. What do you think, Trevor? Ah, uh, man, I, I feel like this it's the same Steelers every single year. I have I actually have quite a bit of exposure on the Browns to finish fourth in the AFC North. So I've been like really actively rooting for the Steelers here the past couple of weeks, and they've definitely come through. But they're very much a team that I would say um, definitely holds their own against teams that are on the same level as them. I think, you know, the Mike Tomlin experience kind of puts them, you know, in an advantage against the teams that maybe are similar from a talent perspective to what they have on the field. Uh, and I very much think that, you know, given the the Ravens, uh, pass catching options now with basically Mark Andrews and a bunch of, you know, what would be very close to practice squad guys for a number of other teams in the NFL. Like that's concerning. Tyler Huntley has been a pretty good backup quarterback, but you know, still isn't offering the same high end ceiling type outcomes that Lamar Jackson has. So I think these teams are really close. And I think given that, you know, in most situations, I'd probably lean in Mike Tomlin's direction. Uh, I think, at, you know, plus two and a half, even with the betting market kind of continuing to move in the Steelers direction. Uh, I still think that's probably the right side. So I would probably go Steelers plus two and a half. The total, I don't know. I mean, I do think it's too low, but at the same time, I think both these both these coaches are going to like, I would try say try to maximize the time spent in every single possession that I could see this game. Try to be, you know, as short as possible from both sides. Uh, so I think, you know, the 35 and a half probably is still a little bit too low, but uh, we're going to need one or two chunk plays, I would say, to get over that. And I'm not quite sure uh, we're going to see that on Sunday night. So Steelers are bust. Probably lean over, but I uh, don't def- definitely don't have a strong feeling on that one in particular. Ben, it's AFC North football in January. You know what's going to happen out there on that football field. I'm in Pennsylvania right now. It has been the coldest week of my life up until yesterday. It was literally negative 20 and negative 30 field for three straight days. Uh, so, yeah, the fact that this is Baltimore is nice for them. Uh, but Mike Tomlin's done very well as a road dog in Baltimore. And I feel like this is another team where I've been playing into – uh, I'm naturally a Steelers fan, so I always say take what I say with a grain of salt. But when I bet my team, pretty confident in them. I think this is a good spot um, to ride with the Steelers or take an under. But we'll get to that a little later. Yeah, what a game. What a game uh, it will be. The Steelers, they just uh, – yeah, they are the epitome of a 500 football team. And they kind of have been for a little while uh, now. So, yeah, you go Steelers for <laughs> Good for you. All right, so everyone, you can follow Ben on Twitter – at PFF underscore Ben Brown. Uh, ben, what are you working on at the moment? Yes, we uh, we have a, I would say like a play-by-play simulation that is, you know, capable of, I would say, pricing out a lot of these like same game parlay events uh, in a pretty accurate manner and also provides a lot of insights. We are working on, uh, you know, testing the accuracy of it based on where it is in relation to the betting market and then uh, trying to get it in front of users' hands as quickly as possible. So we are kind of in like a beta testing phase and hopefully... Uh, going to roll that out to PFF subscribers by uh, playoff time, which is exciting, uh, exciting because I've been working on it for way too long for it to ha- have taken this long, I would say, as well. So, <laughs> Okay, very good. All right, well, make sure to follow Ben on Twitter. Check out all his stuff. Thanks for joining us, Ben, and uh, good luck to your Chicago Bears in the first half. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move.
New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the initial wager. PointsBet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the PointsBet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369. In New York, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Pennsylvania, call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-6867. In Louisiana. Before we finish off, just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen during bowl season and in the Premier League. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Steelers and Ravens in our Sunday night seven contest. All right, Vaughn, we're going to help the viewers and listeners with one of those questions in the Sunday night seven contest. Kenny Pickett, pass yards against the Ravens. Uh, what are you going with here? We're going to go with 180 to 199 passing yards, Jay. And it's easy. Kenny Pickett hasn't thrown for 200 yards back-to-back games all season. He did 244 against the Raiders. So what are we doing? We're going under 200 passing yards. What do you like in this one? Yeah, I'm very much on your wavelength here. I think that uh, with the Baltimore defense, which is getting better, I think it is a, a properly elite unit, and they're going to have to lean on it given what they're not getting on the other side of the ball. So I always like taking the big bands, just the biggest range of outcomes. So I'll go Kenny Pickett less than 180 yards on Sunday night football. All right, let's finish off with our best bets. And Vaughn, I think uh, mercilessly we're going to stay with Steelers right <laughs> Yeah, sorry, everybody watching, listening. But uh, if this is just how it works out, Sunday Night Football, we know that the, the game got flexed, and uh, rightfully so. The Steelers have been streaking, in my opinion. Uh, Jay, don't hate. But for <laughs> the last five games, the Steelers have won. They've won five of the seven since the bye. The rushing game has improved by over 45 yards per game. Offensive lines look much better. And the narrative around the Steelers early in the season was that they suck. And I'm not going to argue with you that they didn't. But what I will say is they played the hardest schedule in football between weeks three and eight. And uh, the, some of the teams they play were brutal. And you started Kenny Pickett versus teams that he should not have started against. So this is another spot where he gets his first game against Baltimore. Mike Tomlin has been just an awesome coach when it comes to preparing for Baltimore, an underdog, as a road underdog, excuse me. He's eight and two ATS in the last 10, six and four on the money line. He's covered and won three straight in Baltimore as the road dog. All right, and you got Tyler Huntley, not Lamar Jackson. This is the second time seeing Huntley. And last time we talked about this game, Jay, we talked about how T.J. Watt was banged up and we were taking Baltimore in that spot while Pittsburgh was a small favorite. We're flipping. We're taking Pittsburgh now as the small road dog in Baltimore to get, the, get this win because Baltimore already clinched, like you said earlier. This is a huge, 
huge max desperation win spot for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we're going to ride them. We're going to say, here we go and wave our terrible towels all Sunday night on NBC Sports. Yeah, no, I like it. I'm I'm with you. I think the Steelers are the side here. And in all seriousness, I, I do kind of like these games. AFC North, Smash Mouth Football. Let's just see if uh, Willis McGahee is available to, uh, to snub in. Feels like his type of game. Willis McGahee uh, and Ryan Clark, maybe. Bring yeah, back. exactly right. All right, my best bet this week is the New Orleans Saints, plus six and a half at the Philadelphia Ooh. Eagles. This line has been going all over the place. It was seven. It got down to five in some spots. Now it's back up to six and a half. Not expecting Jalen Hurts to play. If he does, then that would give me a little uh, little trouble. But I don't think that Hurts will play. I think the key here is the injury situations, even outside of Jalen Hurts. And Avante Maddox is out. Uh, he's been important for the Eagles. As soon as he came out of the game against the Cowboys, C.D. Lamb went into the slot and just started cooking. Lane Johnson, one of the best tackles in football, he is out. Garner Johnson out as well. And then on the other side of the ball, we might finally see Marshall Lattimore, who I think has been out Maybe. since week five, but he's looking closer and closer and closer. I think this will be his best chance to play yet. And then the big thing is Chris Olave, uh, who people might have forgotten about, but uh, Chris Olave, who missed the Cleveland game with a hamstring, uh, he has practiced the past two days, been a limited participant, expect that he'll be listed questionable today, but I would think that he is a pretty clear favorite to play if he is getting in multiple practices this week. And that makes the Saints an entirely different team. Like He's their best skill position player. It's not Alvin Kamara. It is Chris Olave. He is the most important skill position guy on that offense. And it's a little bonus bet. Chris Olave, 30-1 to offensive rookie of the year. He's 56 receiving yards behind Garrett Wilson. He's played two less games. Uh, and if they upset the Eagles and Olave has a good game, uh, then, you know, the way this market goes, he could just easily be just, just your favorite in five days. So I think that our 30 to 1 Chris Olave offensive rookie of the year is far too generous. Uh, he shouldn't be 30 to 1 if Garrett Wilson is minus 200. That doesn't make any sense at all. Olave, like I said, 56 yards behind in two fewer games and there's still two games to play so uh yeah i'm a new Orleans saints man this week riding with uh yeah with andy dalton for better or worse but saints plus six and a half and chris olave o'roy all right don't forget to check out nbcsportsedge.com for more information to help you with your wages thanks for those of you watching on the nbc sports youtube channel and if you're listening to us in podcast form don't forget to rate and subscribe to us from Jake Croucher and Vaughn Dalzell. Have a great weekend. Good luck with your bets.